Rogers will be on in just a minute. Perfect. You can even talk about where you are if you like. That sounds awesome. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, the ICNM conference is in Washington, D.C. They do it every year. That sounds amazing, but I think we're live now. So, hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. My guest today is kind enough to take time out from her wonderful schedule where she is attending in Washington, D.C., the ICE, what a a conference. I'm bad with letters, and she's going to tell us about that, but she's got a remarkable story. She changed her family of eights diet to a plant-based diet after her husband's stroke. We're going to learn all about that. Please welcome Allie Essek to the show. Well, that's so nice of you to do this during the conference. I would have changed your date if I knew you were going to this, but tell us a little bit about the conference, where it is, who's speaking. Yeah, yeah. So it's the Physicians Committee for Responsible Nutrition. They're the ones that put it on every year. Uh, And it's meant for doctors, nutritionists, dietitians to come and learn about the benefits of a a plant-based diet. So it's been... It's been really great to hear, you know, you have you know, so many people speaking, but um, from all all of the, the bigger plant-based names where they're just diving deep into heart disease, diabetes, you know, all, all of the things, things I've heard before, things I haven't heard before. It's so, it's been really great. Is it your first year attending it? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First year. Yeah. Nice. So, so who are you? Tell us about your journey. All right. So my name is Alicia Essig and um, I'm currently a plant-based nutritionist, but I didn't start out that way. I live in Washington, DC with my family. We've been here for 15 years. uh, And I used to work on Capitol Hill actually for a congressman for years and then worked on campaigns, political campaigns. But um, my husband is an attorney and he works right by the White House. We live the DC life, but that also comes with the DC stress <laughs> and you know the, the, all of that and so um anyway we we ended up my husband had a stroke which I'll go into detail a little bit later but that's why we decided to look into you know eating more plants and and changing our diet so and how long ago was this and when you say family of eight does that mean you have six kids yes so i have six children um this was in 2019 is when he had a stroke and um yeah, it, it changed everything, but I, I have twin baby boys. And so it was right after they were born. Wow. How, how, how old was your husband when he had the stroke and what kind of stroke did he have? He's 37 years old. Um, and it was just the, like, at first we weren't sure it was just what was going on. It took a lot of time, but it affected, ended up affecting his vision. And so he, um, was just sitting at work one day and all of a sudden just started having double vision and just feeling terrible. He, he said to himself, he's like, I think I'm dying. And so he got out of his office, went and spoke to his, his receptionist and said, you know, something doesn't feel right. And she looked at him and immediately knew that he's having a stroke. She could just tell his face was slanted, you know, his eye was slanted. And, and so they called the paramedics and, they called me. Um, and anyway, I actually didn't even hear his phone call. I was in the shower. So then they called my neighbor my neighbor came to my house and, and was luckily able to take care of my kids while I ran to the ER to meet them there. And, and that's when there was just hours and hours of testing to find out exactly what was happening. That was really scary for everyone, even him. I mean, I, yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Did he have, does he have any lasting repercussions from it? Is he, is he doing well now? His, so it took a while. And I think with anyone who is, who has a, 
anything going on with the brain, you never really know. Uh, that's all the doctors like you could have your vision uh, come back soon, or it could take years. It could never come back. So it was definitely scary because at the time he couldn't drive. He really struggled working uh, with, you know, with the vision issues. And so when, you know, we just first took the first month just all the doctor's appointments. And then over time I started diving deeper into research and figuring out, okay, well, let's do something within our power because it feels powerless, right? You kind of feel hopeless. So we, that's when we decided to add in more plants and over five months, uh, from that point, he was able to, to finally get his vision back slowly. It came back really slowly, but it, it did finally return. And right now he's doing great. That's fantastic. Where did you look to even delve into research? Like, how did you think about this? <laughs> so my husband um, and I, you know, I've always been trying to eat healthy. Like after having the twins, we had both gained the, the baby weight. <laughs> and so we were just looking into, you know, just, I thought I'd been eating a healthy diet, but the year before we actually, um, I had read the book, how not to die. And a lot of it just rang true to me. Like a lot of it felt right. And so I, you know, because I had read that book, it kind of knew that I could at least go back and go run through it. And that's kind of where my journey started. And then I was recommended to eat to live and, you know, all of the other plant-based books. Uh, and that's where my journey started and knowing like, okay, there's more that we can do on our side to, to help. Old, with it. So how old are all your kids? Right now they're 12, 10, eight, six. Um, and then I have two four-year-olds, but at the time it was in 2019. So at the time they were all, I think it was eight, six, four, two, and then my twin babies. So that's it was just having all those kids. That's incredible to, to be able to change anybody's diet, let alone a whole family. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we want to know how you did that. <laughs> That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Cause I think, I think for a lot of people, it's, it's easy when it's not easy. It's hard. It's hard to change your diet no matter what, but it's just, it looks a little different when it's a family, a large family, right? Cause there's a lot of minds and a lot of ideas and thoughts and preferences behind it. And so that's what I'm, I'm passionate to just let other people know, like this can happen and just to have patience, but but yeah, I have a whole slideshow. Is it, do you want me to share my slide? Oh, I would love, I love PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> awesome. All right. So let me go ahead and share my slides. I will skip through a couple of the, um, the beginnings, but basically I just wanted to share, you know, how there's a lot of lessons that I had to learn through this process. Um, and I think being, being a mom, you know, you have to have patience and, and it's all about progress over perfection. And so, as you know, th these are my kids, you can see pictures of them. Um, this is right after my husband had a stroke when we were all in the hospital trying to figure out everything. Um, and, you know, we knew that previous to his stroke, which I didn't mention before is when we were trying to lose the baby weight, we were doing what everyone else told us to do to lose weight. And that was to eat more protein and to eat that, you know, higher protein diet. And so, um, you know, after my twins were born, we did that macro-based high protein diet and it was working. We were both losing weight, which sounded great. Um, but my husband's cholesterol, triglycerides or blood pressure actually didn't go down. And we, you know, at first didn't think that was that big of a deal. My husband, um, he, he went to the doctor, the doctor's like, you should just exercise more. And at the time he was biking to work every day to work, you, you know, so it, it wasn't, we just lost trust in cholesterol numbers and we didn't think that they really mattered. And his numbers weren't that high. 
And I think that's something interesting to note too, that sometimes, you know, unless they're over 200, you think that that's where you have to do something. It was around 175. Um, uh, but as you may have heard, you know, Dr. Stephen Loam says that you want your LDL to be below 70 to really be in that safe zone and or total overall uh, around 150. So after you had a stroke, you know, it's like a healthy person has so many wishes, but a sick person only has one. And after his stroke, it was, it was like, okay, I just want, we just want to get better. We, you know, we are willing to do whatever it takes so that he can get better. Um, and the doctors gave us the typical, you know, instructions on following a heart healthy diet. They said, we've done all the tests. Uh, your husband doesn't have a hole in his heart. You know, it's not genetic. It, there's no family history. Um, there was no heart arrhythmia. There was no explanation why someone so young would be having a stroke. And so they just gave us this paper that's like, you have to avoid trans fat, saturated fat, cholesterol, eat more fiber, avoid alcohol. And, you know, I thought we were eating healthy because that's what we were following, like the typical diet. And so to me at the time, I had no idea what that meant. Um, you know, adding more fiber. I just thought of the fiber one bars, right. Which most yeah. people do. <laughs> so I didn't understand what obviously many, many of those who follow you already know, and that meat and dairy are, um, primary sources of saturated fat and even trans fat and cholesterol and, you know, added sugars and added fat are devoid of fiber and that fiber actually only comes from plants. So it was a lesson that I learned. And then, you know, I learned that it's, not just stroke, it's not just heart disease, but there's so many other causes of death that are caused by not eating enough plants. And, you know, so we took that first step. Like I said to you, when I, when he, when he had a stroke, I went home, I grabbed my book, how not to die. <laughs> and I took it back to the hospital and I opened it up and I reviewed everything that it said about brain health and what we should be eating, what we should be doing. And, um, and I think it's important for everyone to kind of have their why. And for me, it, it kind of goes beyond this, right? We're in the hospital and I, I am sitting there. And I think anyone who's gone through a traumatic event is like, why, why is this happening? What's going on? Why, 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 why? We always want to know why. And we were given no answers and we still don't really know. Um, mm -hmm. But, but I, I find that sometimes our why can just be in our purpose afterwards. And when I was reading the book, how not to die, it reminded me of, of a religious scripture that had come to my mind over and over again, that I had believed in, in, in my faith. And it says, yea, the, the flesh also of beasts and the fowls of the air, I, the Lord have ordained for the use of man, but with Thanksgiving, nevertheless, they should be used sparingly. And then it goes on to say, you know, maybe only in times of famine. And it was something that I had ignored for years and that many people of my same faith ignore. Um, but there's so much truth behind this. And so that to me was kind of the why that continues to fuel my purpose is, you know, it, in my faith, we believe in this word of wisdom, but we don't necessarily follow all of it. We, the, the do's, the things that we should be doing. Right. And that's eating more, more plants and eating less animal products. So for us, right. It, it took a lot of patience. <laughs> I had to have a lot of love and compassion for myself, uh, as we're dealing with my husband, not being able to see or work. Um, and you know, having to drive him, I'm now like the only driver with all of my kids. And there was just a lot to, to, to take in. And so it took me a couple of months to even be ready to transition to eating more plants. But finally, after five months, his vision came back 
And more than that, his triglycerides went down, his cholesterol improved. And the biggest thing for him, which, you know, everyone wants to lose weight, but every time we try to lose weight in the past, uh, my husband would have to, you know, go hungry, count calories, work out all the time and really like, think about it. And he would always joke around with his friends. He's like, I'm losing weight and I just eat whatever I want as long as it's not animal products. <laughs> right. And it, it was just fascinating to him. And, and the best part is he's been able to keep it off since, which in the past he would yo-yo diet. Um, and I was able to lose the rest of, of my baby weight too. But with all this, I want to share my lessons in, you know, when eating plant-based with kids, it's important to embrace imperfection, right? Uh, we really focused on our diets first and being the example um, before I worried about my kids. We ended up using up what we had in our house, what, you know, the cheese, the meat, all that. We just used it up, like let them use it up. And then I just stopped buying it. And I was okay with not just going all the way in because I was dealing with a traumatic event and I just needed to kind of take one step in front of the other, you know, as I'm, as I'm trying to get my handle on everything. And I think sometimes it's just important to embrace that imperfection, especially at the beginning and that imperfect action is better than perfect inaction. And I find that's what gets a lot of people stuck is they're they they have to be perfect, especially right at the beginning. And, and they, it feels like this huge insurmountable, like project and it's almost impossible. And I think especially for moms, that perfectionism, you know, is that killer of mastery and the killer of progress. We're really good at fighting the perfectionism battle, right? Getting down on ourselves for, <laughs> for not being a better mom or not doing better, you know, feeding our kids enough fruits and vegetables. And, and so it's really hard not to focus on what we lack. And so, um, you know, just giving yourself permission, especially at the beginning, um, to just go into it, you know, with, with that expectation of, I can't control, I can control what I'm eating, but I can't control everything my kids are eating. And if I try to control everything, I'm going to fail. And so just looking at the positive, right. Instead of, of, of what you're not doing, right. <laughs> um, and I think with kids too, it's like learning a new language. You, you have to get better. Um, in order to get better, you have to be terrible at it at first. I, I lived in Argentina for a year and a half and I had to learn the Spanish language. And I, you know, it was the type of student in school that got straight A's in high school and college. I got straight A's. And so I, when I was learning Spanish was afraid to mess up. <laughs> it was like, it's just totally different than taking a test, right. And guessing the wrong thing. So I wouldn't speak it at first. And I would be afraid to say something wrong. And uh, when we're learning a new language, you can't learn it that way. You have to learn it by saying what you know, doing what you know, and then you can correct yourself over time. You almost have to be terrible in order to get better. And that's the same thing with cooking plant-based. Like you have to just start doing it and be terrible at it. And it's okay if your kids are not going to eat it and they aren't going to like it. And, you know, it takes time. And I remember the first time I made tofu. I, I literally, I didn't know you had to like press it. I just kind of like cut it up and put it in a dish and it was all mushy. And, and one of my kids just like puked it out. Like, this is so gross. <laughs> right. But now we love it. Like I had to test and try and, and, and just be willing to try it again. Um, remember like what you start cooking now, like at the very beginning of your journey is not going to be what you end up cooking. Just like when I learned my Spanish language, how I was speaking at the beginning of learning the language was totally different than at the end of my year and a half there. 
And, you know, just because some meals are terrible, um, doesn't mean that it's always going to be like, like that. And a lot of kids, and I think a lot of parents need to know too, that children need to be exposed to a new food 15 times before they feel comfortable trying it, you know, let alone liking it. <laughs> so 15 times. And, and I saw that with my, especially with my picky eater, like I, I just, as we stopped buying animal products, you know, I, I gave her room like, okay, if you don't want dinner, you can grab an apple or an orange or carrots and hummus. And, and over time she started, I mean, it took months, 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 but she's finally started trying the things we were making and seeing like, oh, okay, they're okay. But you know, she needed that time. And so it takes a lot of patience. Um, and I love this quote by James Clary, where he says, selecting a habit that's too hard will be the thing that pulls you off course to something small. And most importantly, to consistency over intensity. And that was kind of what I had to realize that while, you know, my husband and I could be a little bit more intense, but with my kids, it was all about just, this is just consistency. I'm just, I'm not going to buy, I'm not going to buy chicken nuggets anymore. Like it's just not going to happen, right? I'm not going to make mac and cheese. It's just those simple things was, it just was part of that routine. Um, but I also have found that, that sometimes when we just focus on those, those actions, um, and we don't change the beliefs about ourselves, right? We're just trying to to, to do the things, but not change who we are, that a lot of times our old identity will sabotage our efforts. And I had to grapple with the fact that, you know, I was slightly different like now. And I, you know, really had to take on the identity of being plant-based and be okay with that. And so, and not shy away from that, uh, where sometimes in social situations, it can get uncomfortable when you're brand new to this, <laughs> you're like, I, you know, I, and I just, I had to really be okay with, with who, with the knowledge that I had and trusting that this is what was best for my family and changed my identity on a deeper level. And I think for me spiritually, that helped too, knowing that not only that my mind knew all the facts from all the studies, that this is the best way to live, but then spiritually, I had a strong identity that this is how I felt like I should be living. And after I was able to change that identity, then the actions, then the results can easily come into place um, instead of just focusing on the actions and um, you know the, those identity-based habits, but building a system around those habits, like the, the easiest system for me, I'm not a meal planner. I'm not one that's like, everything's super organized. I'm like a chaotic mess with all of my kids. Like it's crazy at my house. And so for me, it was, okay, my system may not look like other people's where I'm, I'm doing a meal plan. My system is, I'm just going to stop buying meat and dairy at the grocery store. Uh, because as you say, if it's in your house, it's in your mouth, right? So if I don't buy it, then, then when I'm opening the fridge and at first it was really hard. Cause I used to make cheese tortillas, like, like all the time, <laughs> it was just so easy to make. And, and I would just sit in front of the fridge and, and have to think like, I don't know what to make. Oh, this is hard, you know, but I didn't have another choice. And so it made it possible. And, and I started thinking of easier things where it's like, I can open up a can of beans and salsa and that's just as fast as a cheese tortilla was and so much better, you know? Um, so that, that, that you figuring out those systems is huge, especially with kids, but knowing that it doesn't have to be what another mom's system is, you know, another mom who has the chore chart and has the perfect, like planned out meals. It, that's okay. If your system doesn't look like that. Right. And so, um, I think when, when you're wanting to transition with kids, number one, just let it be as easy as possible. Like, and it can be easy and tell yourself in your mind, like, I'm going to let this be easy. 
we started by just swapping out the recipes I was already cooking uh, for beans instead of meat. So I had a handful of recipes my kids loved, like, uh, you know, chicken, um, you know, like cashew chicken was another, was a recipe I make all the time, but now I make it with chickpeas, um, or even just tacos, right. And with beans instead of meat. Um, but there were just so many recipes where I thought, okay, I can just easily plantify it by swapping out meat for beans. And that was easy for me. I, it was really overwhelming to open a plant-based book and see like nutritional yeast and see all like fennel or some other plants that I've never cooked with before, <laughs> like cashew sour cream, like what, you know, like that at first is so overwhelming. It's like, it feels daunting. And so I just chose to let it be easy and to just focus on like simple things. And for my husband and I, we just ate a lot of salads at first. We made a big batch of salad at the beginning. And then over time, a lot of potatoes, you know, you kind of shift like your taste preferences, but we made it as easy as possible. Um, and I also told my kids at first, I wasn't saying we're never going to buy meat again. We're, I'm never going to buy you chicken nuggets again. You'll never have that again. I, I chose not to use that language because I think forever, even for adults is really scary. <laughs> and so it was like, we're not giving this up forever. Um, I'm just not going to buy it next time I go shopping, you know? So it, it felt like, okay, I still have that flexibility if I ever choose. Um, and it felt a lot more doable by saying that. And we just added in, I think the biggest the biggest swap is I stopped buying those fishies. I stopped buying the processed snacks and I just bought a ton more fruits and vegetables. And because they were around, my kids eat them because they're on the counter. And when my kids are hungry, they grab them uh, because they can't grab the bar or whatever else they, they, they eat it. And it was just like, how can we add in? How can I cut up vegetables while I'm cooking dinner? So my kids will snack on the vegetables. Like if I have a hummus tray with fruits and veggies, they'll eat it. If it's out there, if it's easy. Um, and you know, it doesn't have to be this crazy and daunting task. And so we started with the five fruits and vegetables and found out, okay, that's totally doable. I can start there. And, you know, we started out swapping our, our beans and meat. Um, and you know, we just made it as simple as possible and focus on abundance and like, okay, like kids, like, have you ever tried this? Like, have you ever tried a mango? We, I never ate mangoes until this. And now it's like everyone's favorite food, right? There's so many fun things that are waiting for them. Uh, that, that we're, if we're just focused on what we're lacking and not buying those fishies or those processed snacks, then it can feel overwhelming. Right. And it feel like, I don't want to do this. Um, but I think for all moms, it's important to know like a habit must be established before it can be improved. So we just have to start. And I think anyone, not even just moms for anyone, like we have to just start. Um, and if you're making progress, even if it's smaller than what you hoped, it builds momentum. So just start, start small, just start. Uh, like I said, my husband had a stroke and we didn't even start for a solid month because it was just me trying to understand what to do. And then when we started, it was far from perfect, but just starting and then making progress from there. I really love this book by Lainey Basham, um, where it's with winning in mind. And he talks about how he went to the Olympics in 1972 in rifle shooting, but he let the pressure get to him and he lost the gold. Um, he had not anticipated the importance of training his mind and his thoughts around himself. And so after he lost the gold, he went around and he interviewed a bunch of gold medal winners. And he asked them, what were you thinking when you won the gold? 
And he wrote in his book, the primary thing that separates the winners from the others is the way they think. Winners are convinced they will finish first. The others hope to finish first. And because they're so convinced that they're going to, to finish first when they fail or when it doesn't work out, instead of looking at it as I'm a failure or this is maybe this isn't meant to be or maybe this won't work out. Instead, they just say, okay, this was just data. And next time I will try blank you know, or next time I will blank. So just look at his information and a way to, to tweak and get better because they know that they're going to be able to do it. And so I think with eating plant-based, I had a, such a strong why, like I, a, my husband had a stroke and I knew that he, his grandpa had multiple strokes. He ended up dying because of the effects of his strokes that I knew that my husband was at a high risk of having more strokes. So the why was so strong, like, no, we're doing this. And I have this religious pull too. And so every time we failed or I felt like a failure because my kids weren't eating what I wanted, it was like, okay, next time I'm going to try their, I'm going to try to cook tofu, right? <laughs> next time I'm going to try this recipe or I'll, I'll tweak it here. Like I'm always tweaking and we're all always doing that. But instead of taking it personally is I'm not meant for this, or, you know, I, I can never eat this way. It's again, once you change that identity, that, that inner why then the actions kind of fall into place. Um, and I think sometimes we don't recognize our humanness <laughs> that we're all half, half a hot mess and half awesome. Jody Moore says all the time, we're all half awesome and half a hot mess. Um, and if we can just accept that we're human and we're not going to be perfect, and this is not going to be this like straight road from A to B, then when we mess up, instead of shaming ourselves or blaming others, like it's so easy to blame my husband for bringing home treats or myself or, you know, oh, I should have prepared more when we went out and packed more food or whatever it is. Um, again, looking at it as next time I will try instead of adding in that shame, adding in that blame. And a lot of times we experience difficult things like my husband's stroke and having to deal with it. And, and there's a lot of pain and emotions that we have to go through. But when we add on top of that shame or blame, then it can stop our progress where, it, you know, we need to be able to, to pro progress. And when we hold on to shame or blame, we're not going to be able to move forward. And how we let go of that is really just to have more self-compassion, especially with kids <laughs> be kind to yourself. Think of it. If your best friend, you know, was, was going through this exact same thing and they were experiencing, you know, setbacks, how would you talk to them? Would you be harsh? Would you be self-critical of what they're doing? You know, and, and if you're not going to talk to your best friend like that, then why would you have those inner thoughts about yourself? You know, why would you talk to yourself that way if you mess up or you can't control everything your kids do? Um, and I think it's just having compassion is recognizing the common humanity in all of us, that we all have setbacks, we all have difficulties, and it's part of the human experience. And so when it happens, just give yourself grace. Like, it's okay. Next time I will try, you know, instead of being hard on ourselves. And so again, going back to that, why we love dairy. So when, when I, when I was reading my books, the next book I read after how not to die, there was um, eat to live. And we're listening to it on audible in the car. And I remember my husband being like, okay, okay. I can do without the meat. I can't do without cheese. Like, uh, he, we would go on dates to like, you know, get cheese, like charcuterie boards, you know, he loved dairy so much. And the thought I could never give up cheese was something that we thought all the time. And what's crazy is now he's, it's, he's like, sometimes I'm just amazed that I don't even crave cheese anymore. It doesn't taste as good as it used to. Um, and you know, at first it was, it was hard to give up, but over time, as you're eating more tastes and flavors, he realized like, 
there's other things. And sometimes cheese masks the flavors of all of the other things that are in the dish. And truthfully, a meal is just a fleeting moment of happiness, but having him healthy, having its vision back, like that was more important. And so keeping that why, right, is, is key in, in going forward. Um, but one other thing, and I know you say all the time, like if it's in your house, it's in your mouth, but a lot of people, they, they bring drama around it, right? They, it's like, but my kid, my husband does this, or my kids really, really, really need, you know, like their, their gummies and I don't want to ruin their happiness or, you know, and, and they bring all this like drama to this and, all I have to say is like, it's okay. Like you, you get to decide if that's what you want to do, you can decide, but own your choice. Like, and when you take the drama away from it, again, the shame, the blame, the whatever, if you take this, that out of it, just own your choice. Like I can choose to eat hundred percent plant-based. My kids need this, then that's, you know, that's my choice. And when you, you decide to like own it, you have more power over it and you recognize, okay, this is, this is my choice. This is what I'm deciding to do instead of being the victim of the situation. And a lot of people, you know, create that victimness around, around what we're eating. And really you're the victor. You can choose to be the hero in your family, the one that's, that's leading the right cause. And you're going to experience setbacks, but you don't have to be the victim. You can be the hero. And so communicating your desires with others is always tricky, like with your spouse, with your kids. Um, I know for my husband, even though he was all on board eating plant-based, but still when he's in charge of the kids, it's like, where do you want to go kids? You know, like giving them all the things that I don't want them to be eating. And so um, it took really like sitting down and communicating, like, and, and really expressing, not just assuming that he knows that I don't want the kids to be eating this or assuming that he, he knows better and he wouldn't do that. Right. Or, you know, just really create these expectations, um, and, and clear, clear boundaries and boundaries aren't like cutting people out. It's just showing them where the door is. Right. So it's like, well, yes, you can come in this way and this is how we'll make it work when people are like in my mom's house or at my in-laws house, when we're having family dinner, it's always a tricky thing with all of the cousins and all of the kids. And, you know, just being able to express like, it's okay that you serve what you're serving. Um, you know, I'll just bring my dish or, you know, setting up those, those just your desires and your, your wants. And even, you know, asking, like, I would appreciate if you don't serve hot dogs to my kids or, you know, doing it in a way like out of love, um, and not just expecting them, or if you're okay with it, then, you know, being okay with it. But again, just communicating, I think is key. And it's always better before than after. And so as a parent, like I recognize you can't control everything. <laughs> Striving for control will only keep you stuck. Right. And, and you can control you, um, and you can control, you know, kind of what your kids eat when they're in your home, because you're making the food, you can control what time, but you can't control how much they're eating. You can't, you can't put the food in their mouth. You can't do all that. And so just your, your offering and it's their choice for what they're eating, how much they're eating, when they're eating. Um, you know, I guess you have a little more control over what in, in most situations, but even then when my kids are at school, I don't have control over everything. And so that's okay. And, you know, finding joy in the imperfect journey I think, is key. Um, and in order to do that, in order to find joy, it's especially as a mom trying to find the happiness in all this um, key to that is that it, the happiness is the way it is not the destination. So finding joy 
now, finding confidence now, finding success now and focusing on the now, you know, if you don't let yourself be happy now, then when, then when, because in the future, it's not a guarantee if you can't find that happiness now. And so how do you find that happiness, um, in the chaos with your kids and, and even just anyone switching to a plant-based diet, how do you find that happiness? A lot of us are chasing this horizon, feeling like once we're perfect at eating plant-based, then everything else will be great. (laughs) And then I'll be happy. Once I lose weight, then I'll be happy. Once I'm in a better state, then I'll be happy. But it's like chasing that horizon. And then once they do lose weight, they find they're not happy because they'll see other things um, that are wrong or that you can fix. And and if we always measure our happiness forward, then we're never going to find happiness. And I really love the book, The Gap and the Gain. They talk a lot about how you find happiness now. And he has like two visualizations. So number one, um, most people, they set this goal. So we'll say eating plant-based with all of your kids, like a perfect vegan diet with all of your children. That's your goal. That's your ideal. And we measure our success based off of whether or not we meet that ideal and the gap between where we are right now to the ideal. So that's usually how we measure our success. So if my kids were, you know, getting treats at school or, or whatever it was, then we fail. But in reality, in order to find happiness in this process and enjoy it, we need to flip the script and measure our happiness based off of our progress, looking backwards. And, and when I do that and it's like, look, and my husband's so good at it. Sometimes we'll be sitting at the dinner table and like, we're still not perfect. Like none of my kids are perfect, but but he'll be looking, he'll look at me and be like, do you notice all of our kids are eating salad right now? Like, and they love it, you know, or just looking at the game, like, look at what they are doing good, what things are going well. Um, you know, how far you've changed since, since before switching to this lifestyle. And if we can measure ourselves backwards, then we find joy. Then we find happiness in the journey. The ideals are not meant to be the measuring stick, right? They provide us motivation. They provide meaning, direction, um, and, you know, goals are reachable, but ideals are not. And, you know, a lot of times we have to recognize that we, we don't measure, we, it's really difficult to measure ourselves against that. Um, it's kind of like when you're in an organized religion and they get teach these ideals. And if you're not living up to those standards, you can feel like a complete failure, but God doesn't do that. Right. The real measurables are where you were before and where you are now. And so when you're in a game, you value all your experiences You understand that life is working for you, even in the hard times, that terrible experiences can be transformed into a gain. And when you can transform terrible experiences like your trauma or, you know, a terrible health experience and recognize like this put us in such a better situation, that's where you can become psychologically bulletproof, where you can transform those feeling like a a victim into, you know, how has this actually served you? How is this working for you? And I love the quote by Nelson Mandela. It's either, you know, I never lose. I only win or learn. It's very similar to next time I will try. When you look at it as I'm not, I never lose. I either win or learn. And so with motherhood too, when you're not in the game um, with yourself, if you're looking only at what you lack and what you're not being able to give to your kids and to your family, um, then most likely 
you're in the, the gap for your kids, you know, well, they're not measuring up and they're not doing great, right? If you can't be in the game for yourself, it's really hard to be in the game for others and to see other people's growth and progress. We're only seeing what they lack, just like we only see what we lack in ourselves. And so it's more important that it's not just ourselves, right? It's everyone around us. When you focus on the gains, on everything you have been able to accomplish, every like all the good foods that you have put in your body, you're transformed and everyone around you is benefited. And, you know, there's so many benefits of eating this way. Had I known all along, my perhaps my dad wouldn't have died um, when he was just 55 years old. I didn't mention this earlier, but my father um, passed away of his one and only heart attack when he was just 55 years old. And it was a few years before my husband's stroke. And it's one of the reasons why when he had his stroke, I was willing to do whatever it took because when my dad died without a warning, I prayed and prayed and just wished that we could have had a warning heart attack, that he would have had a second chance and he didn't, but my husband did. And so I didn't want to take that for granted. And I think all the time, like if we would have all been eating this way, you know, maybe he wouldn't have died. Maybe my husband wouldn't have had a stroke. Right. And I just really wanted to shout all this information from the rooftop. Um, I, after, after my husband healed and after we kind of switched our family to a plant-based diet, I ended up becoming a nutritionist and teaching other people the ways of plant-based eating. Cause I believed in it so strongly. Um, you know, I developed a course, I got clients and help was helping other people, but I saw something that continually over and over in women's ability to go forward with what they knew needed to do. And they, it's like, they know what to eat, but they often don't do it. <laughs> um, and so it's like, what is it that's stopping them from doing it? And I saw that, you know, a lot of times we eat when we're not hungry and it's another way of describing emotional eating. It's just really eating when you're not hungry, but it could be because you're bored, you're stressed, right? You want a reward after a long, hard day. And especially as moms, like especially with little kids, you're just so tired that you want a reward. You want something. Um, and so, you know, I realized that my husband's an emotional eater. Like sometimes I am too. We all do it occasionally, right? When you're eating, when you're feeling stressed, when you're, when you eat, when you're not hungry, um, you reward yourself with food, you eat to feel better, right? You, um, eat to feel safe. Sometimes when you're stressed, you eat, when you're, when you're bored a lot, but the problem is when it is our primary way that we cope, that's when it can be detrimental to our health. When it's literally the only thing that, or the thing that we keep going to over and over, um, it's okay if it happens occasionally, but when that's our coping mechanism, when we're bored or stressed or, uh, you know, or even tired of wanting a treat, if it's always, that's how you reward yourself, then that's when there's a bigger problem at hand. Right. And it is normal occasionally, but when it's the only way. And so how do you know if it's an emotional hunger versus, um, a, a physical hunger, emotional hunger feels overwhelming, right? Urgent. It's like, I need chocolate now. <laughs> like I really, I, it's like, there's no limit on, you know, how much you could eat. You, you aren't listening to your physical fullness cues. You're led by texture, by taste, by smell. You just really want a specific food. That usually is an emotional hunger. Um, and that's usually because again, you're either bored, stressed, wanting a reward, um, or, or other things. But physical hunger, it's like, and we've all felt this way. I don't care what it is. I'm hungry. An apple will work. You know, vegetables will work. It's it's not craving a specific food. Uh, it's more you have this, and it doesn't come on as fast, right? It's not this instantaneous, overwhelming urge to eat. And so if we can do that 
right? When, when we recognize, okay, is this emotional hunger or is this physical hunger? And just being aware of it is a huge, huge step when, when we know we need to eat in a certain way. Um, and so a lot of it is just asking yourself, well, what situations or places or feelings make me turn to food to cope with emotions or for comfort? And, you know, where am I looking to reward myself with food? And is it that I'm always rewarding myself with food after a long, hard day? Or, you know, what, what are my patterns? Just kind of getting curious at where you are. That's, and being aware where things are is the first step. You know, you know, you need to eat a certain way, but what is it that's preventing you? Why, why are you craving food at this time? And so when you are aware, then the next step is just self-compassion. It's like, of course that makes sense. You know, my husband had a stroke. I'm trying to switch my family. I, you know, just giving yourself like, yeah, that makes sense. You're overwhelmed that you that you want a treat at a long, hard day that you want, like giving yourself that grace. Yeah. That totally makes sense that you want food because you're bored. That totally makes sense that you want food because you're tired or you're stressed, you know, giving yourself that like love. Um, yeah, like it, to give yourself kindness instead of judgment, you know, just being curious about why you're eating and making different choices and not shaming yourself as to why you're making these choices. Um, the automatic reaction is often like not even want to think about it or avoiding it or being judgmental about ourselves. Uh, whereas if we can become curious and a non-judgmental observer and just think, oh yeah, that would make sense why that would happen. Then we can actually make the first step to change. Um, I love, there's a book called takes 90 seconds for most emotions to pass that we really just need to give ourselves that time to feel it after my husband's stroke. I, there was just, I feel like I suffered more emotionally than he did. He just kind of took it with stride and, and maybe it's just cause I, you know, I had to deal with all of the, the other things at the time, but I would just sit and like, sometimes it would just hit me, you know, grief would hit me, emotions would hit me. And I, and I, you can choose two things. Number one, you can choose to feel it and feel that, that pain, right. That refining pain. It's also called like clean pain that we just have to go through as humans. Um, or I can choose to numb it with food, um, or numb it by, you know, doing other things. And then that adds on to it, the, uh, another type of pain that will keep me stuck. And so, um, a lot of the times, you know, we just have to experience the bitter, the sad, the hard and feel those emotions so that we can prize the good. I like to think about it when you, we're drinking water, right? Sometimes you just have regular water. And <laughs> when you're, when you're at a conference, like I am right now drinking cold water, it's like, yeah, okay, it's good. But if you went out running in the, in the Washington DC heat and we're sweating like crazy and so thirsty, when you drink cold water, it is the best thing in the world. It is so amazing. And so sometimes we have to taste the bitter in order to appreciate and prize the good, um, like, like cold water. Right. And so sometimes it's important for us to just sit in our emotions and feel sorrow, feel sad that, you know, you've gone through a major health event and, and experience the hard so that you can know the joy later on. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. And I even like to think godly suffering is just, is different than human suffering because, um, it means to allow, right? The Greek word for suffer is to allow. So sometimes we just have to allow those feelings um, to experience, you know, just give yourself 90 seconds to feel, to feel sad, to cry, um, to, you know, really, if you're stressed to really think about it, uh, even if you're bored, give yourself 90 seconds to just sit and be bored. Um, and a lot of the times it just takes that time, right? And I love that charity suffereth long. So the having more love for yourself really is allowing yourself to 
to sit in, in those emotions instead of numb them. And, you know, willpower alone is not going to resist or not going to change anything. When we just try to have willpower to do what we need to do, if, you know, it's just like, I love that um, I've heard the analogy of it's like pushing a beach ball into the water. And if we're trying to just willpower it alone, it's going to come back up with even, you know, more force. And so allowing ourselves to recognize, you know, all of our feelings and how that plays into food is a really important thing. It's just like my toddler, my toddlers, well, now they're four, so they're not toddlers anymore, but when they were even younger and still even now, they, when they're hungry, it's like, mom, I want food. I want food. I want food. I want food. They like, do not leave me alone. Um, if we're at a park and I didn't bring food, you know, it's just like this constant and I could, you know, ignore it, completely ignore it. Or I could say, yeah, that makes sense. Like it is, it's time for lunch. You know, maybe we can have food later. Um, you know, and I think sometimes we need to talk to ourselves like we would to a toddler, not completely ignore it. Like, yeah, that makes sense that you want chocolate right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and you know, but maybe we can do it later, but we're choosing not to right now, you know, yes, you want that, but today we're choosing not to again, owning your choice is part of it and, and allowing yourself, you know, to the not forever talk. Right. And sometimes it's just giving ourselves 10 minutes. Like I'm just going to wait 10 minutes to allow myself space, to feel my emotions before I turn to food, even if it's healthy food, even, you know, some of my yummy plant-based foods that I'm eating, if I can just give myself those 10 minutes to feel, um, and then check in my, with myself and then see if I, if I want those other foods, you know, or not can make a big difference. So it's important to find other ways to feed your feelings, right? Uh, finding a replacement for your primary management system of eating is necessary to break the cycle. And sometimes it's just feeling them, just sitting and describing your feelings like you would describe them to an alien, right? Like I feel stress, stress is in my shoulders. I feel anxiety. I feel it in my chest. I feel, you know, and just kind of recognize where it is that you're feeling it and describe it. It's heavy. It's light. Um, and just giving it a name sometimes will help you. The second thing, um, is sometimes just journaling, journaling things out. All right. And really the, the last thing is just giving yourself compassion. Like, yeah, of course, of course you feel that. Like, I'm sorry, you have to go through this. I love you. I'm sorry. You have to go through this. I love you. Um, and that's often a reason why sometimes we fail at what we know we need to do because eating is so emotional at times that we need to make sure that, that we feel those emotions and don't just turn to food. But it's, of course, not everything. There's so much more um, to it. There, We need to make sure we're getting enough exercise. We're getting enough sleep, right? We're making time for relaxation. We're connecting with others. We're eating enough fruits and vegetables. Like they all play a role and they all play a role in being able to um, serve your family deeper if you are making sure that you're serving yourself in these areas. Just like they always say in the airplane, you know, make sure you put on your mask first before you help others. Um, really, your kids are more likely to eat what you want them to eat. If you take time to serve yourself, to manage your emotions, to, you know, make your health a priority to, to they'll mirror what you're eating. So making sure you're eating the things you need to. And if you focus on yourself first and, and, and tackling all of these layers and your inner identity, then everything else will fall into place, right? You need to feel, we need to deal, and then you'll heal. And if you're like me and have gone through a traumatic event and you want to eat plant-based and maybe you want your family to do it too, um, make sure that you are in a good place that as you're making these choices and these changes that you are feeling that you're dealing with the trauma that you've experienced and then you're healing and others will notice that and want to do that too. 
So um, remember, everything of what you want right now is on the other side of feeling a little bit uncomfortable, <laughs> a little bit like not eating, you know, as much cheese as you want to not eating as much meat as you want to just a little uncomfortable. And you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. I like to use the analogy of this summer with all of my kids. I don't want them to watch TV. Right. And I, I, we, I usually let them watch TV a little bit and it's just sometimes so nice because it's a babysitter, right? There's a lot of things where I'm like, yeah, TV is just so convenient. So I decided like, that's it. This summer I've tried, I've tried to do this multiple times, but I finally was ready. So this summer I, I cut off the, the TV and it was so hard at first. And it was, I was really struggling and I realized like, this is what I wanted what I wanted was this pain. <laughs> like that's part of the process, right? This was so hard, but in my mind, being a good mom was not a mom that lets her kids watch TV all the time. So being a good mom means being willing to feel uncomfortable. And it's similar to when you're switching your kids to eating more plants. It's like, it's, there's a lot of uncomfortable emotions and pain that are going to come up right away. And you're going to feel like a bad mom and you're going to feel guilty and you're going to feel all of those things, but realize that that like your higher desires and you have your lower desires and you're making changes for your higher desires. Sometimes in the moment, those lower desires are going to want to creep back and be like, Oh, you know, but now your kids are making a big mess. And now you, you might want to, you know, go back to how things were before it was so much easier. Uh, but continuing with those higher desires, you're going to have to be uncomfortable um, for a little bit. And it's important to kind of plan ahead for those situations. Just know that's going to happen. Um, and then try not to emotionally eat when you're overwhelmed after trying all of those things. Um, I think a lot of us go through the, the regular cycle of change, right? This emotional cycle of change where we're like, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat plant-based. And then you start trying it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is harder than I thought. And we go through this valley of despair. And if we can just stick with it, um, if we can just keep going instead of give up, like a lot of people do when it gets hard, right? That uncomfortable feeling, if we can just continue forward, moving forward, get the support, the help we need, you know, join a program, do what you need to keep going forward, learn, you know, watch YouTube videos, like keep going, keep moving. And then you get to it. You can finally come out of it. And I, I feel like with my kids, I'm always going through some form of this, like, but in general, we're finally at this place where we're at a comfortable place. Um, we're not perfect, but I am very confident in, in where we are. It took time. A lot of lessons I had to learn along the way, which is what I try to share with you today. Um, but I really just want you and everyone else to know that you're not destined to crash and burn, right? Our traumatic past may increase our risk of bad things happening, right? My husband has a higher risk of strokes in the future, um, but it doesn't mean that it's going to happen. We're not destined for, for that. And that adversity doesn't mean that we're destroyed and that we can rescue one another, that we can all find healing and a better path forward. And a key to that is having compassion and patience with yourself. Um, and so Chef AJ, um, I know we, we talked about this in our email before, but we want to offer... Those of you who are listening, um, our emotional eating course is part of the PlantWise membership. Um, it's an incredible opportunity. If you feel like you need, you're at the valley of despair and you need a little bit of help coming out of it, uh, you can use the code CHEFAJ. Um, it's just $37 a month, but the code chef AJ will give you 50% off your first month. And if you feel like you really are struggling with, with these other emotional things, especially if you've gone through a traumatic experience, like we have, um, I have a two week emotional eating course where we really dive deep into, you know, helping you eat more plants, um, eat more potatoes and vegetables and all the things, but also diving deeper into those other layers that could be holding you back. So make sure to check out um, that with the code chef AJ. 
and the link should be below. And um, you can follow me on, on Instagram at PlantWise, on YouTube at PlantWise, and then we have a, a Facebook group, Plant Powered Wellness for Women. Awesome. Thank you, Chef AJ. Thank you. That was a wonderful, wonderful presentation. And, you know, it's interesting because tomorrow I actually have a plant-based pediatrician on, and he's going to be talking about some of the things you talked about, about transitioning family. And I'm curious if how you feel about like, you know, you're, you have six kids, you know, and you can't be a short order cook. I don't <laughs> think any parent should have to be, but what do you think of this idea of like providing two meals? Because if, if they always have a choice that's less healthy, don't you think they would choose it? Right. Right. I always tell my kids, this is the meal I made. If you don't want to eat it, go find something you want because what I have in my house, I'm okay with them eating. So if they're making a peanut butter sandwich, I'm okay with that, but I'm not making it right. So that like, that's okay. If they want to do that, it'll take two seconds to put together or a fruit or a vegetable, but I, I make the meal they need to at least try it. Um, if they, and then from there they can decide what to do. And so you, you, you don't buy anything but plant-based foods right now. Right. Although I will say with being a mom and just living in this world, lots of people drop by things and give treats to my kids and do, you know, it's, 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 it's not perfect. Like we live in this world where it's everywhere. And so, you know, sometimes though my kids will go on a date with their, with friends or, you know, and get all the things. So it's, it's, I'm not claiming that we're perfect in any means, but I, I choose not to buy it at the grocery store. Right. No, we have Susanna watching and she has uh, eight kids and uh, they, they, but they were much older when she made the transition, but she still does buy them and make some meals of the stuff she wants, but she's very, very agreeable person. And I don't think she'd ever be able to not do that. So, but, uh, <laughs> but just having six kids, how do you even have time to run programs or work or go to conferences? I know, I know, right? Well, I do have a no pair, a nanny from Bolivia. She's amazing and it makes these things possible. It's also helpful to just have someone else, you know, help clean up because I'm the one that cooks still because I prefer to cook. And so it makes it doable to have a little extra hands. My husband works full time too. You know, you've got no woman does this alone. We all have a team, even if you don't have a nanny or anything else, you've got to have a, you know, a community. We Absolutely. all need. Did you happen to see the Barbie movie? Yes. <laughs> that, mo- you know, it reminds me, remember that monologue at the end by America for like, that should win an Oscar, but that uh, speech about how, why it's so hard to be, that was like the greatest monologue I've ever seen. And it, it, it's so true for most of us, you know, we, we so can't true. be enough, do enough, have enough because it, the expectations, I thought that was amazing. Um, so Heather, who's watching live said she took your course and it really helped and that she moved her family to plant-based a year ago, they complained for years they wouldn't eat plant-based with her. So she cooked two different meals for years, then decided not to do that anymore and only cook plant-based and they ate it and liked it. Four boys aged 23 to 17 and they eat all the food that's put in front of it. You know, I think if people, if kids are raised plant-based, it's so much easier, you know, because they, they, what are they going to rebel against, you know? Right, right. That's awesome. Heather, I love you. That's amazing. <laughs> so so did you ever talk to any of the plant-based doctors just to get their perspective or opinion on why your husband must, you know, because remember Dr. McDougall had a stroke at 19. Mm, I didn't realize that. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's why he has a limp now. And uh, so I'm just curious if any of the plant-based doctors maybe weighed in on what they think could have caused the stroke in this young man. Right. I've never reached out to them individually. I went to another like veg fest and I asked in a crowd, um, you know, uh, about it and they just said, you're doing exactly what you should be doing. But I've, I've never dived deeper. A lot of people assume it's because of a hole in the heart, but after that, he was tested that he didn't have a hole in his heart. They're, they're not sure in general. So 
Yeah, it's still missing. Your, your kids were at different ages. So what, I'm, I'm not, are, was it like easier for the very younger ones because they, they were so young, they didn't really have a chance to maybe get some of the good stuff like the cheese, you know? hundred mm-hmm, percent. Mm-hmm. They eat everything like they rice and beans, like they don't wince. Uh, although I don't know, your kids kind of go through phases. Cause one, one day my four-year-old is like, I don't like vegetables anymore. You know? So it's, who knows? It just depends. Um, they go through phases on what they like, what they don't like, but when they're hungry, they'll all come coming back for the foods that we, that I have. Right. And so, especially if you have them ready and if they're healthy foods, like in like, you know, one of the things I've noticed that well, not just kids, but most of us are lazy and, and I do this with my, my husband too. So like, you know, if I take the grapes off the stems and put them in a bowl, he'll eat a lot more grapes than if I just put them with the stems, because then he doesn't have to do that little extra stuff. <laughs> You know, it's true. <laughs> it's true. funny having them out and having veggies out, cut apples out. They'll eat them. It's amazing. Like they, they'll just grab it more. I think seeing it on the counter is always big. Like we go yeah. through like I three bunches of bananas a week, four bags of apples a week. I mean, it's insane how many apples and bananas and oranges they eat. Bananas drive me crazy because the minute they're perfect, the next day they're not. It's like I have to keep buying them and then I have to freeze them because I don't I don't like them when I love them when they're super ripe, like for smoothies and desserts, but for eating them, not so much. And it's like it seems like every day you gotta buy bananas in this world. Like there's no <laughs> way to just keep them the way they are. Do you ever make, you know, I've been, I've been really into wraps lately. I go, I'm crazy for them. Do you ever do because I think kids like things that they can hold, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. We do that all the time. There's always wraps. We do a lot of pasta. Like that's kind of, I make this tofu Alfredo pasta and they, we do that a ton. That's like a go-to they'll ask for at least once a week, um, you know, and trying to get the veggies in there too. And on the side, but yeah, wraps are a go-to pastas, sandwiches. I mean, I'm not, there's nothing fancy. Like I, we stick to pretty much the basics, but they're eating more plants. And like, do you ever do like the bar? I call it the bar method or the bowl method where you just put a ton of ingredients out and they can customize it in a bowl and a burrito or however they want to do it. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Although my one daughter will just eat brown rice and call it good, but <laughs> so sometimes <laughs> you have to do something else. <laughs> right. That is funny, but, but I, I like to eat that way too, because it's, it's, it's fun. Every meal's a buffet. Um, right. Teresa says, what do you pack in your kids' lunches for school? This has always been the hardest thing for me, especially when it's a peanut-free school. Mm, right, right. So my school isn't peanut-free. So we do a lot of like peanut butter sandwiches. That's my backup. I do a lot of potatoes. I'll, um, you know, microwave mother potato and then send them with potatoes and, and some sides, usually just like carrots, hummus. Uh, we do a lot of leftovers, a lot of leftovers and my kid, like, so the pasta leftovers, <laughs> we do that a lot. Um, you know, beans, like it's just, it's different every day, but my, my backup is just a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> like I'm, I'm that boring, but it, we always have a Lara bar. I think having them have a Lara bar is key so that they're full, um, or some form It's usually like a target version of Lara bar, uh, and then a fruit or vegetable or both. And then, you know, either a sandwich, potato or pasta. Wow. That's very cool. Do you ever get them involved in the shopping and cooking process so that they can pick which vegetable or fruit they want, or maybe make, make age appropriate things themselves? Yes. hundred percent. Although I do not like taking all six kids to the grocery store because then it's chaotic, but, but I'll take a kid or two um, and then they'll pick it out and 
they love helping. So anytime they all like, like mom can help. They, I have that veggie chopper, you know, that you like press down. It's like a slap chop. I love it. Or the um, Vidalia chop wizard. I love that tool. Oh, they're the best. And my kids, it's like, as soon as I get it out, can I do it? Can I do it? (laughs) That is so cool. Do you have time in your busy schedule to exercise? And like, I mean, I guess kids that young, they don't formally exercise. They just move around a lot, go out kind of thing. It's funny you ask, because I actually am a Pilates instructor. I've taught Pilates for over 15 years. And so Matt or, Re- Matt or reformer both. I do both. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And so I've been doing that. Um, and I feel like that's what's kept. I, I think I love the theory of, um, you know, when your core is strong, everything else falls into place. And I feel like it applies to so many other things with eating plants. When you're eating enough plants, everything else falls into place. You know, when your core is strong, everything else falls into place. So that's why everything that's wrong with me orthopedically is because I have a weak core and it's like, I'm paying the price now, but Pilates is awesome. (laughs) You said something early in the presentation. I I might not have it exact, but it was something about the consistency is more important than intensity or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I, this is funny too, because I'm also a spin instructor. I love to spin. So, fun. so you're really, how do you do this all? And you're at a conference, you know, <laughs> so, a, so yeah. what kind of spin do you do? Like up and down or like, there's all yeah. kinds of classes. Uh, right. Right. Just at the gym. I just teach the spin classes where you're doing, you know, you're, you're, you're climbing a hill, you're doing a sprint, but, but I will say this, I haven't taught spin since, um, since COVID. And what's interesting is before I would teach Fridays at 6am. Right. And I would teach it. And when you're teaching, you have to be able to talk through it. Like I taught, I taught spin when I was pregnant with twins, nine months pregnant. Like I just kept going. Right. But I didn't have to push myself super hard. It was just consistency every Friday, 6am. Well, then I stopped after COVID, haven't gone back to teaching. And when I hop on the bike to do like a Peloton class or something, I go really intense. Like it's all intensity, but I've noticed that the consistency in the past, when I would do it every single week, I was in better shape than the sporadic intense workouts that I'm doing, right? That that consistency matters more than sporadic intensity. So it relates to exercise. It relates to eating plant-based to all of those things of just being consistent, even if it's not perfect, even if it's not as intense or as hardcore, um, especially because when you're teaching, you can't, you have to talk, <laughs> you know, that, that, that's going to make a bigger difference long-term than just the short, intense bursts. That is so cool. Here's a question. Um, do you have a favorite cookbook? Julia says a family fat kid friendly cookbook you use with your kids, or maybe it's time for you to write one. <laughs> I, you know, my, my actually have a team member on the PlantWise team. Her name's Faith. Um, and she has plant-based cooking for kids. I love her cookbook. It is awesome. Um, she, yeah. So it's faith, uh, make sure to check hers out. I think it's so easy to follow my kids love to open it up and they're like, let's make that. Like it's a, it's my favorite kids cookbook for sure. That's so cool. Well, yeah, you just seem like a very dynamic uh, person and you're not going to let stuff get you done uh, down. I mean, that must've been super scary though, with the stroke and your, does your husband still wear the pirate patch? <laughs> I found it actually the other day. I know whenever my kids see pictures of when he was in this that show, they're like, that's a pirate. And for the, that Halloween after a stroke, cause he had to wear it in order to see, cause he had double vision, you know? And, um, he, we were pirate, all pirates for Halloween cause he had a stroke October 1st. So we just kind of like, let's just do it. You know, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. So it was fun cool. for people that have schools with peanut allergies. I used to, you know, do sometimes cooking demonstrations in schools like that sunflower seed butter when it's roasted can taste very much like peanut butter. So I used to use that in the recipes. So yeah. Yeah. Do, um, 
do your kids have plant-based friends or, or in Washington, DC, what's the plant-based scene like in general? Um, well, there's amazing restaurants. First of all, there's tons of restaurants to go to, uh, as far as friends know, and it's funny to hear them tell their friends they are like, we're plant-based, but you know, like my kids, when they're outside of the house, I don't, I don't like sometimes they eat whatever they want. And so I wouldn't say they're hundred percent. Right. And so sometimes they'll like tell people we're plant-based or so, you know, as far as that goes, they just feel like normal kids with everyone else. They don't really like make it that big of a deal unless people start asking. Uh, but, but as far as restaurants in DC, it's a fantastic place to go. There's a lot of options. So my husband, and I love to go on a date night and check out a new vegan or, or, you know, other type of restaurant in the area. And so you have the Barnard Medical Center there. So you could have a vegan or plant-based doctor if you wanted. Oh yeah. See, I haven't even thought about that, even though I'm here at the Dr. Barnard's conference right now, <laughs> but it's true. I should have, I should have thought about that. Did we play this game on Chef AJ Live? Uh, who who does the guest look like? Uh, does has anybody told you? Because we have in the chat who they think you look like. They're they're all very beautiful, just so you know. But oh. is there someone that that people tell you you look like? Uh, back in the day, Tina Fey. They used to say Tina Fey, but other than that, I, I can see a little bit of that. Some people have said Blake Lively, an actress named oh. Carrie Machette. I'll have to look her up. So yeah, I mean these are all good choices. So yeah, That's very like, nice. Made my day. <laughs> So we, uh, we have the links to people that want to take your course, that want to just check out your website and also your Instagram. It's all in the show notes right below the video. So uh, some people said they've already subscribed to your YouTube channel. So that's fine. Do you, your kids get involved a little bit in the YouTube channel? Oh, yes. And they love it. They totally do. It, it's been it's been fun. It's fun to like. Anyway, my, my son's a ham. He's such a ham. So he's always like, subscribe. Anyway, there. That's really cute. I think that's fantastic because I don't have kids, so I can't necessarily reach that population, but we see it as a real struggle for people that have kids and want to improve their diet after they've already gotten used to eating some of the, the junk food. Hey, you know, you mentioned you're ready to live, I think is your second book. Did you ever read fast food genocide or disease proof your child? Cause I think for people with kids, those are the two books that, that the Dr. Furman wrote that I really recommend. Oh, I did not. You know, I did the plant-based juniors book, which I really love just to make sure they're getting everything they need. Um, and that was helpful too. Cause I realized I went very low fat when we first shifted. I'm like, Oh wait, I need to bring the fat in for my kids. Yeah, well, for kids, especially. Yeah. 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 So that was good. But yeah, I haven't read those. I'll have to check those out. I appreciate Well, you. the reason I say is because, you know, doc, one of the things Dr. Furman says in disease proof your child is that pretty much everything that happens to us adult, like adult cancers, it's because of what we ate the first 10 years of life. And so those are the crucial years. And what I love about fast food genocide is he talks about food as an addiction and how, you know, junk food, sugar, and all those kind of treats aren't aren't helping kids. I'm curious how you handle holidays like Halloween and, you know, where there's just an egregious amount of candy. <laughs> I, so what we do, I let them have some, like it's Halloween. I want my kids to have a, you know, a regular childhood. Um, but then we, you know, after the night they pick out the trees they want, and then we, we donate the bag of the big bag of candy to our church. So it works out, you know, I want them to have these experiences. It's, it's finding this balance too, of, of letting them live a life where they don't feel deprived, you know, that we feel like they're living in abundance and they're experiencing all of the good foods and recognizing when the other not so nutritious foods, how they feel in your body too. So that, you know. Do they ever uh, notice a difference though, that when they eat something less healthy, like that, maybe they don't feel as good. 
My son, no, he could eat sugar all day and all night and never knows the difference. But my daughter, <laughs> my oldest daughter is now like, like when we, well, there's a cookie store um, that sometimes we go and visit and she's like that, those cookies make my tummy hurt. You know, like she, she recognizes how her body feels and can easily say, no, it's pretty. Yeah, awesome. It's really interesting because a lot, you know, you, you, the, the motivator for a kid is not like, you're not going to say to your six-year-old, well, you know, you could end up with heart disease or like, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But, but um, right. So you have to find another way to motivate them. Sometimes, you know, I've noticed like the kids, if they get acne, that's a good way to kind of say, well, you know, these, these, these things that you're eating, but, but when they're young, I can't imagine how difficult it is once they've already, you know, tasted the pleasure trap. Oh yeah, it is. And it's not perfect. And I think that's where I go back to being a mom. Then you, you have all this knowledge and it's really hard to have this knowledge and then see your kids make others choices. And you have to just like be, you know, recognizing I'm doing everything I can in my power. Look at the gains, look at all of our gains, not the gap of where they're eating the junk food and when they're eating it, just to highlight and root and a positive parent and tell them, Hey, way to go. Like you just ate a salad. Good job. Or, well, I'm so proud of you for eating vegetables. And then maybe, you know, not put as much attention towards the junk food. That's good. Have they, and they're probably too young, most of them, but have they seen any documentaries like game changers where they know they can run faster, stronger? <laughs> No, they're mostly younger. I do want game changers. I think my son is ready now to, we'll have to fast forward through part of it, but like, <laughs> that he would, he would be ready to watch that. But in general, they, they enjoy watching my interviews. Um, when I've, I've done a couple of like local TV interviews and they get excited and, and my daughter with my YouTube channel, she'll, um, tell her teachers at school. So she's like, mom at school today, they pulled up your YouTube channel and we watched some of your shows. So that's very, very, very cool. You seem like a very positive, upbeat person. Were you always that way? Or does eating plants make you even more? <laughs> Uh, I think I was always born this my good from my dad like that he you know he just trying to see the good but I think motherhood threw it for a loop where it's like I I definitely went down that like this is this is hard you can't control everything and my kids hate me and this is you know it, it, I've definitely gone through some rough periods especially during COVID it's funny because my my husband had a stroke and I was able to, to work through that. And, you know, then he actually got his vision back the week, the world shut down. It was the same week. I'm like, you finally can see life's going back to normal. And then the world shut down. And that's where I really like spiraled downhill. It was really, really hard for me. And I happened to Dr. Will um, Bolshewitz had on his Instagram offered the plant-based e-Cornell course for, you know, like a scholarship for it. And for anyone who entered their name and uh, anyway, so out of hundreds of people that applied, he chose me. Um, I have no minute. Yeah. What a lucky break. That's amazing. And that's what started me on my journey. Um, because I was, I wasn't ready. I had young kids. I wasn't going to do this right away. And I wanted to eventually, but so I, I took the course, learned it and just felt like, okay, that was like God telling me this is the path that you need to go right now. And even though I didn't feel ready. Um, but then I ended up going back to school, doing the nutritionist certification on top of that and kind of going down that route. But I've been, I've been in the dark, dark, dark places and it's, it's hard. It takes a lot of mental rewiring and, and figuring out how to shift your thoughts, you know? What, what, I mean, did he know that you were, uh, the, how did he win? He just picked you at random. It's incredible. <laughs> I know there was, like I said, hundred people that applied. You did have to tell your story of why you want it. Okay. So I have six kids. My husband had a stroke. So I think that well, kind no, of that, helped. 
That was a great story. That was a terrific story. Oh, I had one more question. I forgot. What, oh, yeah, your husband. Um, like, so he's an attorney. Does he bring his lunch to work? Does he have other attorneys um, noticing what he's doing? Or because I can't imagine like the whole law firm was vegan. Right, right. Well, and the whole law firm was there when he had a stroke. And so, um, so two things. He has a really great salad place just down the street that it's like a salad bar that he goes and gets a salad bar every day. So he buys his lunch because it's easier. But, um, but he makes really great choices. And a lot of time he comes home, he's not even hungry because he's had such a big salad for lunch. But his work actually had me come and give a nutrition presentation to all their summer associates this last summer. So I went in and taught them, you know, just the basics of heart disease and and diet and how diet plays a role. And, and it was kind of like a full circle moment to come back and teach that, you know, in the place where he had his stroke. Well, that's really cool. It sounds like you're really a mover and a shaker. Maybe you'll be presenting at the, I, what are the letters? ICM, International Conference, of ICNM Conference next yep. year. Hey, that'd be awesome. <laughs> well, yeah, you're very, very engaging. Well, I appreciate you telling you, oh, I'm just going to let you go. And then I just saw another question from Susanna. Is your husband super strict when he's out for work dinners with a set menu? And how does he get around that? He is flexible. So he'll, he'll say he's, I mean, he's plant-based, but in a situation where like, there's not an option, he'll eat what's given to him. And so he it's we, and that's kind of our approach. Like we've tried to be as strict as we can, when we can, but then let go of control when we can't, you know, when there's, when you're traveling, when there's other situations, he's a little more flexible. I kind of do your best, bless the rest kind of thing. Yep. Yep. Totally. 100%. (laughs) <laughs> That's great. Well, yeah, the whole emotional eating thing is so interesting because I think that, you know, people don't emotionally eat on broccoli, you know? Right, and right. We could just get away, get rid of those hyper palatable foods and <laughs> solve this problem, you know? That's true. It's true. And, and it's really like, let's choose other methods where it's like, what can I do instead? You know, what, what, what I want this, but what else can I do to solve my needs right now? Yeah. They, people know? do have to work on that regardless. So great. What's next for you, Allie? Oh, what's next? I don't know. <laughs> I'm at this conference and, and hoping to continue to learn more. I just love really working with people and diving deep into giving them the support they need at this conference has been fascinating. There's a lot of doctors and they don't, they just don't have the time. And that's what, you know, I offer is the time and the support and the, the help to actually make you make the change. Yeah. And with six kids teaching Pilates, teaching spin, I don't know how you have the time, but <laughs> Late at night. There's late at night. That's all my kids are in bed. All my meetings happen, but it it works. It works. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. It was a fabulous presentation. Good to meet you too. Thank you so much, Chef AJ. (laughs) Thank you, Allie. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time where we'll continue this conversation of how to get kids to eat healthfully with plant-based pediatrician, Dr. Lee Edinger. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.